They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. We are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Hey, Joe. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I am doing okay. It's been a pretty busy fall thus far. How about yourself? I know what you are talking about. It just seems like there's one thing after another, and as we, uh, you and I both enjoy uh, podcasting and everything that we do to create this podcast, um, it just seems that time has gotten away from us, and I can't believe we haven't recorded since, what, since the end of August. Well, it, it is just August 8th now, so. <laughs> yeah, I No, wish. it isn't. No, well, that, here's the thing, uh, folks, is uh, we actually have real jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Leading congregations is not a uh, couple-hour-a-week a deal, so we've been in the thick of, of stuff, uh, pastoral care needs for sure, programmatic stuff, planning for the future, just working on sermons and all the other regular stuff, and uh, we also have families and lives and are trying to be faithful stewards of all of those things, aren't we? Yeah, so when our hobbies, so to speak, uh, you know, kind of fall to the wayside when other priorities take over, and our friends over at To Hell with a Hot Dish, they also had have a little break, and actually they're they're changing the guard in, in some of their host duties and host responsibilities. So, uh, you know, when 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 life changes, when life comes up, there changes that do need to be made. Jeff and I are not going anywhere. We're, we love this podcasting uh, thing and sharing our lives and, and our content and inspiring other people in their life of faith. Uh, so we want to continue, but it might not be as regular as we once had it in the past. Yeah, but we've been doing other stuff too. We had a nice time with a sister conference, the Greater Hartford Conference, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we came in as the speaker for their luncheon and uh, we're able to share the things that we were up to and how it was working and some of the challenges of that as well. So it's good to be with colleagues and inviting them into um, how it is they enter into the digital world as part of their ministry too. So that was a good conversation. I enjoy those kinds of things a lot and uh, it was fun to see you there. Yeah, that was really great. And I, I love being in Connecticut now. We are not in person today, but just being able to see each other more frequently and to do things like that is fantastic. And we also have been working now that we've kind of gotten into a fall routine. We're working on scheduling some other guests to come on to the podcast. We have a couple lined up at our Bishop's Convocation here coming up in November. Other people that we're reaching out to to be able to talk a little bit more about podcasting, a little bit more about people's faith and what how God inspires them and moves in, in their lives. So it's good. Yeah, so what kinds of things are going on at Prince of Peace these days? Well, one of the things that I think is happening at Prince of Peace and happening at many congregations this fall is stewardship time. We, we all love stewardship time. <laughs> it is a time of the year when we talk about how we have been blessed by God and how we can give back some of those blessings that we have received in different ways. For many congregations, that means uh, an inventory of time and talent, so what people are able to give of themselves with their time, 
what they're interested in volunteering for, how they can uh, best utilize their gifts in the church, but also uh, the financial contributions. That's also a big push in the fall to say to the people of the church, hey, it takes money to run a church. It takes money to keep on the lights, to pay the pastor, to buy paper for the copy machine, to pay for the copy machine, <laughs> and do mission. Uh, all these things cost money, and we cannot survive or do these things without your help and assistance. So what are you committing to financially to give to the church over the next year? And for a lot of people, that's a difficult conversation. Yeah, I always, every year, I have this thought going into it that, you know what, in the spring, we're going to do a real long kind of educational piece about just kind of what stewardship is and how it works and why it's important for you be someone that gives out of themselves rather than just be a receiver of, of things. And uh, every year that crawls up and all of a sudden it's October again. And uh, right. it, it becomes, I mean, just honestly, just the, the pace of, of life and church life and uh, family life and everything else, all of a sudden you're back in the, the time frame of, okay, what are we doing for this? Because we all feel like we're on a deadline for it. But every year I think to myself, you should do the educational piece earlier in the year and then then you can do the asking in the fall rather than just uh, put them all together. But it's, it's so hard to do, especially when you're really kind of the one pushing it. So it's, it's tough, but it is part of the gig. I mean, the, the reality of, of church life, especially in North America is uh, we run like a nonprofit. So we have, you know, a board and we have people on staff and we have needs uh, just to kind of keep everything running. But then we also have the why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. So I've been trying to focus this fall on those two things, just kind of why are we here and what are we supposed to be doing? And uh, it's a conversation we should be having all the time, I suppose, in congregations. But I was thinking for us here at St. Paul, especially, we, we just got through with our building project in the spring. By the time that got all wrapped up. Uh, I had my ankle injury and getting back on my feet quite literally from that. And then the summer pace, what that is, and, uh, you know, doing some service trips and a little time away and just the pace of summer and just being exhausted from all those things. I felt like, all right, if I'm the, the primary leader here and we're all in this place kind of post construction, we need to regroup a little bit. Take right. a deep breath. Uh, I know I was feeling really pooped after uh, getting through all of that stuff. And just, okay, can we all just take a collective deep breath, give thanks to God that we're here, and think about where we're going next. So that's kind of what I've been doing this fall and trying to put it together that way. I'm hoping that translates for people. I feel pretty good about it. We, The way I went about it is we had three sessions offered one on a Wednesday night, one on a Monday afternoon, and one Sunday morning. And it was a pretty good participation level. So I I get the sense, anyway, that people are interested in wanting to be connected and work on their church. So That's great. And that's kind of what you want. You want people to be connected. You want people to engage and have the conversations on, yeah, like you said, why are we here? Why do we exist? We have this this new space that we've put our heart, money, soul, lives, blood, sweat, tears into, and how are we going to utilize it for the not only the ministry that we do here, but also other people who can be or should be or want to be connected to this ministry. So that 
That's great. And, you know, where I'm at with stewardship this fall is just a basic education. The, the collective memory here at Prince of Peace is that stewardship really hasn't happened in a way that's been meaningful, or, you know, some people have said at all in the past. Basic education on what stewardship is, you know, when you give your money to the church, what happens to that money? And how do we utilize that money? And where does that, that go? And how, you know, you know, why is it even important that people give? So people seem to be generous here, and that's, that's not um, a, a problem. But I think it's just taking that to the next level and saying, you know, this is where we are kind of at. This is where we want to go. And, and not only uh, focus on the financial aspect of it, but also focus on the time aspect of it. Why is it important for you to give of yourself, your entire self, um, to this ministry? And what does that look like? And why is that going to make a difference in your life? I like the way you said that, because I think often, most of the time, we get down in the nitty-gritty of things, and we start to ask, so what do we need? And so you have kind of a need-based explanation and a need-based act, uh, sorry, a need-based informational sharing and a need-based ask on what you want from people and how they can participate. And I think if we're really going to talk about stewardship, we got to turn that around the other way and say, well, why do I, why, what's beneficial about me giving? Yeah. Or, or why, yeah. what's, not to say what's in it for me, because that's not the right way to do it either. But if we, if we can really talk about what it means for us to be blessed by God with what, whatever it is we have and whatever relationships we have and whatever talents we think we have, and, and how do we put those to good use, uh, not just for ourselves, but, uh, you know, for the things we care about and the people we care about and how do we, how do we do that in a, an intentional way? So that's where at least my headspace is at. Cause I, I'm, I'm getting pressure. I think from some folks that say, you know, well, we need, we need the dollars to be this, but that's, I don't know that to me, that never really does anything for me. I'm always kind of like, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it's not like uh, other organizations where you can just sell more widgets or something like that. I mean, we the church can't do that. Well, we tried it once. We had this big, huge uh, revolution about 500 years ago within the church because that didn't work right. <laughs> uh, you may have heard of the guy. Uh, yeah, that said we shouldn't do that. So I don't know. But the, the reality is just because we are a nonprofit-based organization, there are things we need to operate. So that's that's true. But I think too often we get caught up in the nitty gritty details of what the numbers are on the page versus how we're actually helping people understand who they are as a faithful person and and how God has blessed them and called them into discipleship. So that's it's a conversation that needs to shift. But I think I think people are actually pretty quite uh, reticent to dive into that. Yeah, yeah. And people, like you said, people are going to need a reason to give. And both of you and I participated in Reach the Beach for, through Camp Calumet. And people gave to that. People have given, and yeah. we've raised, what, what, probably close to $100,000 with that fundraiser. And that's consistently year after year. And the reason why people give is they know that they are helping kids go to camp. They're, they know that they're helping and inspiring and motivating those 72 runners and drivers and chaplains and luggers uh, complete this this thing that they've been training for and working towards all year long. So it is 
an, an important thing for people to be able to participate in that and uh, have a reason to give. And if you don't really inspire people to be able to give to or contribute or to pledge financially to your church, you know, is it's not like one of my mentors said one to me one time. It's not really sexy to give to the lights or to pledge to to, to pay for the electricity, but uh, you know that's the reality of it. But if you can talk about mission, talk about why your church exists, talk about how this money is going to go to help improve the lives of the people, the church, and the community, and the neighbor, you know that's a little bit more enticing when we talk about why people should give or why people should contribute to the mission of your church. Yeah, and just to be clear, too, I mean, we're not talking about marketing either. I mean, we're not trying to sell the church to people. I I think that's also kind of a mistake. I I think, uh, really, though, it comes down to messaging does is important, though. I don't want to neglect that either, because I think often in churches, we're not very good about articulating why, why we're doing what we're doing, why it's important, and why you should help, or, or why you would want to be a part of it or, and participate in this community. It's often assumed, or uh, people don't know. I mean, you, you could ask, well, why is this church here? And I think, honestly, a lot of people don't aren't able to actually answer that right, <laughs> with right. any kind of real clarity, other than to say, like, well, because we have it, I guess. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm just going to push back a little bit on, on the— because yeah. we, we kind of made in our world— the word marketing, kind of a evil or scammy type thing. I didn't mean it that way at all. And I, I know, no, no, right, right. And and I know, like, marketing to me also means messaging. If we can have a clear right. marketing message, that is that is not just to be able to sell, but it's to be able to clearly, like you said, articulate why we are here and why we do what we do. And I think that's part of part of marketing as well. We we as the primary staff people in the nonprofit that we are a part of need to be able to market or tell people who we are and why we are here. And both you and I really think that's critical and important. And I know that you've really been working hard on that this fall. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I had this conversation with some of my leaders and just saying, you know, here's for me the reason why Reach the Beast works so well. You have a clear message. You have a clear what it's for, who's involved, why it's important, and how people can participate. Yep. And yeah, I mean, you could just tick those things off: doom, 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 and have have it all together within a sentence. You could probably answer each of those questions. And can, can we actually do that in our congregations? I think most of the time, probably not really. Right. We we might have some kind of emotional uh, kind of plea, like, oh yeah, you know. I like it here or, or, you know, there's this program I'm connected to, but I don't think that's the same thing. I think when it's, um, you know, what is the mission and how are we a part of the mission and how is God calling us into the mission and how, you know, what does that ask of us to be a part of that mission? I think are, are really important questions to just to resonate with for a while and really think about to be able to articulate it clearly. And then we can get into some of the nitty gritty details of where we're at and, you know, how we can get better at what we do and, you know, those kinds of th- yeah, things yeah, too. Yeah. But I think we often start with the details and say, well, but that's that's the demand that's placed on us right now rather than the, the bigger picture. Why are we even here in the first place and how do we how do we be faithful in the midst of that? Yep. Yep. 
So anyway, I thought maybe a way to help us dig into this a little bit different or a little bit deeper, not differently, a little bit better, actually, is to just look at a story that's coming up. So this isn't coming up uh, in the lectionary for another couple of weeks or so, um, but uh, it's a great story. It's a story a lot of people know, but it's got a, some really good challenging elements to it. And that's the the story of Jesus sitting with the disciples and they are watching people put their money in the offering. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's a a deep lesson in there, and I I think there's a lot of different ways that we can look at exactly what happens and how it happens and why it happens. But basically, you know, Jesus and disciples are at the temple, and they uh, are watching people put money into the offering, and there are some Pharisees who seem to be pretty full of themselves, right? Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if it says who they are. I think it's just people uh, who are con- kind of congratulating themselves on how how much money they're giving. Right? Okay, I, it, I thought it was fair. Your, yeah, isn't that your memory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, doing this freehand, people. We're not. <laughs> yeah, that he's putting and he's many should rich pa- people. Should... It says many rich people put in large sums, so it doesn't say Pharisees. But yeah, many rich people are putting large sums, and they are saying. Hey, look it! I, I have a lot of money, and I'm putting in a lot of money in here, and I'm the best. So, uh, foo on you! And uh, but then a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And what does Jesus tell him? Jesus says, "This poor widow has, your pennies. <laughs> has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury." So, because. All of them contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, and she put in everything they had and all that she had to live on. So the first part of this is it seems like it's really easy to beat up on those people at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, they're not actually doing anything wrong necessarily. I mean, they're actually doing what was asked of them. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're... Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it's it's their response to that or their uh, self-righteousness around that or their, hey, look at me. I'm I'm so great about that. That's the problem. Right. Right. And it's it's interesting. And I'm just well, I'm just looking up here because the, what we read in a couple of weeks is from Luke. Mark. Mark. But it's also Mark. in Luke. And he basically says the same thing. So. Yeah, I mean, we are told to to give out of what we have, and we are not necessarily told uh, through Scripture to give everything, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe. Well, remember the story. The remember the story of the rich man a couple weeks ago. <laughs> he was supposed to put it all in, and he, he couldn't do it. He walked away. So there's there's that part of it. Right. Again, I think what happens is we, we think about our need, right? So we say, if everybody gave this amount, it would work out fine. Or if we said everybody gave the right percentage, it would work out fine. Or if everybody raised their contributions by so many dollars, everything would be fine. But to me, I think what Jesus really wants is us. I mean, he yeah. really wants the whole thing and not just a part of ourselves or a part of our finances or a part of our time and efforts. I, I mean, he wants, right? I mean, faith isn't just a part-time gig, is it? No, you're right. You're right. So then how do we utilize all of those things? Now, I'm not going to say that, that that means all of us should sell everything we have and live on the street, but maybe what it's saying is we should... You know, how do we allocate those resources 
our time and our efforts are all part of what God's up to. You know, if your home budget, just like your church budget, is a theological document uh, and understanding of how it is you're you're spending what God has provided, you know, maybe maybe we could each revise that a little bit as around the things that that matter and the things that we waste or don't put to you to good use or don't give thanks for because we we feel entitled to it or something. I like to look at this in in the way of a story, right? We have this we have the story yeah. where Jesus is telling his disciples. Um, we have the 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 characters, the the rich person who's putting in out of their abundance, the the hero of the story, so to speak, the the widow who's putting in everything she has, and and it's hard not to to make the rich people the bad person. But if when you right. when you have a story, you have the good character, you have the bad character, and then you have the people who are hearing this, who who want to say, okay, what am I going to learn from this passage, and how can I apply that into my life so I can be that hero? I can be that person who can give like the widow. How do we move people into that direction through our preaching on this text? Well, part of it is I... I think our problem with stories sometimes is we compartmentalize them. So we just take them for what they are and then we just try to apply it to who we are. Right. Right. So, I mean, this whole, this whole fall in the lectionary, at least you've heard, you've had these different encounters with people and they're all, the context is Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem and he's, he's, he keeps telling people that he's going there to die, that he's going to give, he's going to give up everything for them. And so then when the rich guy comes along and can't do it, he's he's missing out on on kind of what it means to live for others in a sense. Even here in this story, you've got they're sitting in the temple, aren't they? I mean that they're there. Like Holy Week is happen it's in the midst of Holy Week if I'm remembering right because right. he's already entered into Jerusalem. So like the the crucifixion's like days away. I mean this is it's not just a parable he's telling. There's there's some other things going on, right? So I mean, he's he's asking of them kind of what are you holding on to that is keeping you from continuing to follow me? Much like he's asking the rich guy that and much like some of these other stories that we have that when we just kind of isolate them on their own, we we miss a little bit of it, I think. Taking a look at that, taking a look at the arc of the interactions that Jesus has had over the last couple of, of months, and how does that lead up to where we are today? Yeah, so I think, I mean, to answer your question about how do you help people get there, I think I think it's important to invite people into the bigger story of what's going on within the story you're telling. Yeah. So, right? Because it's not just a simple morality tale, and it's not just a, a quick application point, right? Like okay, everybody reach in your pocket and pull out two pennies and put it in and you've done it. Well, that right. kind of no. misses the point of the story, I yeah. think. Yeah. B- because the reality is, after this, we don't hear anything about this woman again. I mean, she's already at the point of being totally destitute, and that doesn't change by putting her two pennies in the in the coffer, so to speak. But I think her act of putting all that she has in there is is about completely relying on God to take care of what happens next. 
And within the context of the the passion story, I mean, Jesus is about to do that. Uh, the disciples are about to do that. You as the hearer are about about to do that too. You can't, um, this isn't about establishing an earthly kingdom and, you know, now we're going to get the Romans out or take care of our enemies or the people we disagree with or the guy we didn't vote for last time or any of those uh, common places we we just kind of gripe at each other all the time. It, it, it's it's got to be about a bigger story, a better story, a more important story that we're all a part of and are wrestling with uh, as it kind of takes hold of our lives. So I think trying to get people into that yeah. is better than can you raise your pledge this year? I, I just right? I mean, right. isn't that no, a, yeah. a yeah. better a better ask of a more important uh invitation to say, I mean, I love the verse we, we heard recently, you know, the son of man has come not to serve or to be served, but to serve. And if you want to be the greatest or the first, it's about service. I mean, that that's to follow Jesus is about serving other people. And it's about being a part of the bigger world. And yes, I really hope the church is a part of that. Right. Right. Um, right. And I think it is. And, uh, we should each be able to say the reasons why we think that's true and especially why we believe it's true for us. If we're going to try to invite other people into that. And, and to really get, get out of our own ways and in, in doing that because we, we have these ideas or these plans or these thoughts of serving others, but then we get out of our own way because we say we don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough resources to, in order to do that. And you know, the, the Sunday I used the example of, you know, right now there is uh, a huge mega millions lottery pot out there and, and, you know, the cash value is $970 million. And I said, even if you, you tie 10% of that's $97 million, how could you literally change the world with $97 million? And, you know, we, when, when we're confronted with that, then, yeah, we have a ton of ideas, right? We can say, oh, I'll do this, this, and this, and that only takes... You know, uh, my wife and I were talking about it, and I said, well, you know, maybe the fr- one of the first things I do is, is give every roster leader in the ELCA $100,000. Think of how many lives and student loan de- debt you can pay with that. And that's life-changing money, and that would only cost like $1.7 million. That's not even a touch of the, the tie that's, that you have, um, and, and thousands of lives could be changed. And my point was, you know, not to go play the lottery, but if if you do go play the lottery and you win, keep uh, the two bald pastors in your mind, you know, as you think of places <laughs> to give money to. Um, but, yeah, we have that opportunity to do that now. We have that opportunity right in front of us. We don't need $97, $970 million uh, to, to change lives. We, we have the ability, and that's that's the difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset, right? That we have in sitting in our right. pews, you know, l- people who have the ability to to change lives, and that's what uh, I think our mission is. Part of our mission is as the church is to to change lives and introduce people to the God who loves them so much. Um, so what what the way that I started stewardship here at Prince of Peace is, uh, and this is. Um, a program, so to speak, given to us by the New England Synod uh, is to start with a reverse offering. So I gave everybody who was in church a $10 bill, and I said, pray about this. How, how, you know, this is not money that is going to be going, that you have to worry about saying, oh, 
if I give money away, then I don't have enough money for gas or my kid's lunch or whatever. I'm giving you $10 to go out and be generous with it. And if you want to add to that, that's great. If you want to pile your money together and do something bigger, that's great. But take this as a gift and go out and do something to benefit someone else. Either, you know, uh, take, so- take someone who is a caregiver out to lunch and give them a little bit of respite or buy a coffee for the person in back of you uh, at, at the local Dunkin' Donuts or do something with that to benefit somebody else. Uh, and so we're coming back in a couple weeks and we're going to be sharing what we did with our $10. And that is just going to get us in a, a, a mindset of abundance and excitement and see how literally we are able to make a difference in someone's life with just a simple amount of money. Uh, and I'm, I'm for one excited about it. I had people coming up to me after the service on Sunday saying, I already know what I'm going to do with this, and I'm really excited to do it. Um, I know, you know, how I'm going to be spending this money, and it's it's really going to be a good thing. So, I'm excited about that. That's great. I um, a few weeks ago too, I did something listed out my priorities, and similar to what you said too, is just all right. So why am I not doing that now? What's holding me back from from actually doing that? And I th- I think those are good questions. Because the reality is you don't need a billion dollars to be proactive or to be intentional or to know what your priorities are. And I think helping people, to go back to your original question, you know, if you can help people sort through what their priorities are and how, why they're important, how the church fits into that, how their mission in the world, who they are, fits into that, how their other challenges, you know, people have debts, I have debts, you have debts, um, how that holds you back from being able to do the things that you think are priorities um, and what, what might we do to help about that, I think would be a good question for churches to ask. Uh, but it seems like we're often too afraid to, uh, to do that. But if we can help people see that, like you said, that abundance rather than scarcity that we're all so, so afraid of, um, I think that is really the place to work. Definitely. What's interesting is in the story, she gives out of her poverty. Right. And out of their abundance, they are kind of congratulating themselves. So there's a little bit of pride that's kind of stuck in the way, I think, there with that, too. But isn't that always the human problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think that is part of our uh, challenge, too, is is it not to go and say, like, you know, I'm, I'm the best because I give the most or whatever. And, and, you know, that's a, a debate always um, among clergy when we get together is, is who's going to know what people give because are you going to, you know, think differently about them if they give a lot of money or a little money or whatever. And that's, you know, I I hate all of that because you, you treat people as people, you don't treat them based on, on, who they are or what they give or what they're able to do or not do. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that way, but, but as we think about stewardship, it, it is something that we need to work with. And, and I like what you said, you know, earlier is that this hopefully can turn into something that we do not only in the fall, but something that we do consistently throughout the year. No. And as our, as our Bishop, you know, went around a couple years ago and, and encouraged people to read the book, ask, thank, tell, on how how do we keep that going year round? Is you, you you have your ask, 
Uh, you consistently thank people for what they have done, what they have given, and then you tell the story of what happens when you do give and, and how that does impact people and, and how can that can be inspiring for others. The thing is, I, I mean, really all of it's stewardship. I mean, everything we do is stewardship. Yeah. And I guess that is the, the place where I'm trying to get to because we often think of stewardship as when is the letter coming out and when do I hand my pledge card in, which is a component. Absolutely. I mean, like we were talking before, we, we run this operation and it needs, it needs tending to, but it's one thing we're tending to. If all of our time and energy and focus and resources and even our challenges we see as, as living within uh, God's gift to us of, of life and of faith and of everything else, it's all stewardship, isn't it? I mean, isn't it yep. all about trying to to be a good, and it's not about if you're better at it than somebody else. I, I don't mean it that way, but to, to be a good, responsible disciple that wants that wants to do good with what they've been given. I don't think that has to be about self-righteousness, which is what I think that story points out happens. But I mean, you've known some pretty incredibly generous people. Yes. And I have too. I want to be like them. You know, I think, man, I would love to just do some of the things they do. And then I think, well, you start to wonder if you could do that, right? Or you say, oh, you start to make excuses for it. Or you start to say, well, I'm not as good as at, at managing my stuff as they are. Or maybe I don't have the same bank account as they do. But it's really not about that at all. It's it's about, uh, I think, resp- I like that ask tank think, tell thing, because we did that a little bit ourselves here and kind of got away with it or got away from it once we got into the building project. Yeah, if our whole lives are are an act of stewardship, if discipleship is is an act of stewardship, if your vocation is a, an act of, of stewardship, I, I think we'd all be better off in a way, more connected, more more in tune with uh, what's going on around us and how we might participate and and be part of the positive things that are happening. Definitely. Yeah. And and that's what we want to be able to do is to be able to be a part of that and to be part of that movement of generosity and giving of ourselves, of our time, of our talents, of just our our lives and and encouraging others and inspiring others to to be as generous as uh, we hope that we can be, and see ourselves and see each other the way that God sees us, because God sees us as those generous and loving and caring people, and uh, to really live into that is, is an amazing thing. So I think what we can do is is kind of put on our website, um, twobaldpastors.com backslash stewardship, and that's where this podcast will live, uh, so you can take a listen to this again. Uh, we'll also have some resources, uh, some links of, uh, you know, the Ask, Think, Tell book, um, a couple other stewardship resources that we have found uh, particularly useful uh, this year and over the last few years. So um, as people start to think about stewardship, Jeff, this fall, do you have uh, just one more piece of advice or something that you think would be important for them to remember as they uh, continue in their planning and eventually execution. Yeah, so I, I've got kind of this thought, and I, I don't think I'm out to lunch on this one. 
some of my ideas, definitely I am. But <laughs> I just, I want, maybe it's more of a curiosity and an invitation than it is a, an assertion. But I wonder, just given the climate of these days where everything is so tense and, you know, there's an election looming and there's, you know, one scandal after the next on TV and social media is full of people just yelling at each other all the time. I wonder if if the the reaction for most people is actually retreat. Mm. That unless you're out unless you're out there arguing or you know what I mean there's a yeah. there's a lot of people doing that but I think the majority of people are not actually doing that. I think the I think I feel like maybe it's more intuition than it is any like thing I can prove but because I've sensed this in myself at times. It's like, I just don't want anything to do with it anymore. So I, you just start to pull back. And I think actually it's a time to do the opposite. That if if really it feels like everybody wants to pull back and doesn't want anything to do with each other and it's the problems are too difficult or the division is too deep or the finances are too challenging, that Maybe that is the time to say what faithfulness actually asks of me is to dig a little deeper into these things and try to really hone in on what I think are important uh, values for for what I believe God to be, what I think the world can be, what Jesus does in my life, and and how that means I treat other people and um, the community that I'm most connected to in my church. I mean— Certainly, we don't get it right all the time. I know right. I don't. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, at least for myself, I'm trying to work on that and and not not trying to be more right. I don't mean it that way. But I'm trying to actually struggle and wrestle with people with, you know, who are we and what does it mean to be a faithful person in this time? And, you know, can you can you speak in a way that's honest and challenging and faithful? And uh, if people disagree with you, maybe they do. But I mean, I think when Jesus says, love your neighbor, he means it. And that's challenging. <laughs> and uh, right. And, and yep. isn't that at the, at the core of, so just with stewardship and with everything else, discipleship, all faithfulness, being church in the 20%, all of it, I think it's, we want to just pull back and say, if it would just go away, maybe it'll get better. But I think the opposite is true. If we actually just apply ourselves more, we could be part of making it better. And I guess that's where I'm the most interested in trying to go. I hope other people want to do that with me, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I would like to end just with, you know, as you think about this upcoming text of the widow's might, as you think about uh, the people sitting in your congregation listening to this message and how in, in giving and pledging and increasing what they give, how is that going to make them the hero of the story? How is that going to make them feel good about what they do and how they can make a difference in the life of the congregation, in the community, in the life of the faith of their neighbors? Um, because I, I think that is a critical question as you go into this and, and think, you know, um, and I hope from what we are doing here this year, people will be inspired in their generosity and continue to see how even a little bit can go a long way and how a little bit can truly make a difference in the world. And it's not going to make, you know, it's not going to bring world peace. It's not going to change things drastically, but it could change the day, the week, the month, the year, even the life of one person. And I think that is 
definitely worth it. And I know for me, you know, in what I do in ministry and what I've done in, in my life, and I've always kind of asserted that, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to be huge. It's not going to be, you know, but if I can make a difference in the life of one person, then I, I'll consider it a win. I'll consider it something that is uh, great and, and useful and worth it. It'll definitely be worth it. Yeah, it's that old uh, song, you know, let there be peace on earth, but let it begin with me. I think right. it does. I yeah. mean, I think I think it's taking that, that good news message, that hope we have in Christ and saying it's not about uh, hiding it under a bushel. It's about, it's about shining that light. So peace to everybody out there. These are uh, interesting times in which we live and uh, challenging ones and ones where we are called into service. So I hope... Uh, whatever stewardship stuff you're working on or whatever it is you're doing that uh, you feel so called to get involved. And thank you for listening to this podcast. It does make a difference to us in our lives when you subscribe to this podcast, when you listen to our episodes, and when you uh, share it with other people. It Really, this is why we do it. We do it out of the passion of our hearts, and we hope that we can bring some inspiration, encouragement, enthusiasm into your life and your ministry um, as you listen to this. So uh, we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Thank you for listening, and go to twobaldpastors.com backslash stewardship to get more resources to help you inspire your congregation to be generous and to live in a life of abundance. Take care and be blessed. I know. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. You know, twobaldpastors.com backslash. Back.